God is always great, and he's greatly to be praised. Amen. What a mighty God we serve. Amen. Awesome God. There's none like him. Amen. I wouldn't trade it for anything in the whole wide world. Amen. Thank God for the blood. Amen. Next Sunday is Resurrection Sunday. Amen. You want to bring all your guests, your family, your loved ones. We're going to have a great time. And the Lord is always. You don't have to be Resurrection Sunday to bring folks to church. Amen. You just come on in the house of the Lord. Amen. God bless Brother Miller. Amen. Praise the Lord, saints. Praise the Lord, saints. Thank you, Pastor. Once again for the opportunity. Amen. Good to be in the house of God once again with all of God's people. As always, I'm excited about what God is doing. And I'm going to jump into this um, so I can try to get done with everything that we have in here. So, what are we talking about? What's the subject before we even put it up on the slide? Amen. Amen. Putting life back into perspective. And for those that may not have been here uh, last week, if you did not hear, um, when we talk about uh, the importance of perspective, we were getting on defining perspective, and that's what Lesson 1 has been about thus far. We covered quite a few things just in the preparation or the introduction to this lesson. And we'll continue to do that today. So, as we continue to discuss the subject of perspective, before I even do that, I want to refer back to the scripture, Romans chapter 1, verses 16 through 32. For those of you uh, who did not know, that is our theme scripture, really throughout this entire series. Um, And if you read through that, you kind of see that Paul was just basically depicting what transpired from the time, uh, from, you know, from the old days with the Israelites, God's people, even from creation all the way until really today, if you look at it. The Israelites... Is there anybody that would not have a copy? 
outline, and you have, hopefully you have paper with you because normally we hand out a notes page. Uh, so I'll have to burn some more copies for you to have um, for next week. That gives you the opportunity to take notes because a lot of times I can give you the notes that I have, but then I end up having more by the time the next Sunday comes. So it's a whole lot easier for me to give you the outline and then just let you take notes as we go along. Okay? Plus that helps to make sure that you actually pay attention to what's in the thing. Okay? So, Paul talks about, you know, the way it was before. You read that scripture we talked about. Uh, then began men everywhere to worship God, right? That's what they were doing. So, at some point, everybody had a knowledge of who God was. Over the course of time, uh, we began to embrace other things, other ideas, and other gods. Okay? Our perspective changed who God was, and we began to regress as a creation. And as a result, we are in the mess that we are in today because we continue to lose perspective or proper perspective on who God is. Amen. So that's kind of what that's kind of the premise for what this this series is about to help us put things back into perspective. But most importantly, put God back into our perspective. Amen. So as we continue to discuss the subject of perspective, we must consider the impact of information on humanity. Now, I told you before that um, some of these may seem a little more of an academic approach, but I believe that some of this stuff is necessary. I don't get into all the stuff that I've read about, but, you know, a lot of this stuff is just sitting down and what God has put on my heart. And so I'm just going to share it with you. Okay? A lot of times I look up stuff just to make sure, it's, hey, does this actually make sense? Is this in keeping? And a lot of times I find, hey, wow, this is pretty interesting. But I'll bring that point out too later on uh, as we go through the lesson. So we got to consider the impact of information on humanity. So two weeks ago I was sitting in my car, I was kind of studying, and I observed an interesting event. Sitting in my car, watched an insect fly into my window and land on my dashboard. Well, after a while, it seemed as though he was trying to continue on his journey. The problem was he couldn't get past the windshield. The windshield was a problem for him. So he kept trying, he kept trying, and he failed. He kept trying, and he failed. He landed right back where he was. Until finally, he just so happened to land somewhere else in a different location. And I guess for that insect, he was making progress. Now, it would only make sense for the insect to exit the same way that it entered. However, the insect was not intelligent enough to figure out how to escape. Therefore, it remained captive to the environment. Animals and insects rely more on instincts rather than intellect. While they appear to possess cognitive abilities, 
they rely more heavily on insects, or excuse me, instincts rather than. On the other hand, human beings are given the ability to hear, smell, touch, taste, and see. The sense of hearing allows us the ability to identify tones and pitches. It also gives us the ability to measure distance through the varying frequency of sound waves as they enter into our ears. So, a little quick training aid here. I want everybody to close your eyes. Just close your eyes. Don't open them. Okay? And I want you to tell me if you hear a sound. Those who hear a sound, shake your head, yes. Okay. Once again, if you hear a sound. One more time. Okay. Now, I would like you to open your eyes. Somebody tell me something about the sounds that you heard just now. Okay, so one says he heard a piano. Okay, so you identified what you heard. Okay. Went up the scale. Okay. So different, uh, different tones, right? Okay. Anything else? What about the speed of the sounds? Does that carry out all the tones the same, the same length of time? Probably wasn't probably wasn't paying attention to that part, right? But you can you can determine that by listening, right? So I think it's it's pretty safe to say that we receive information through our ability to hear, right? Now I was gonna bring some some more training aids, but I forgot. But the sense of smell allows us the ability to identify odors and scents as they travel into our noses. And there's actually two areas in our, uh, there's one part in our nostrils, okay, and then there's one part at the top of the throat. So when your nose is clogged up, you, you lose the ability to smell. But this is all connected. So it's pretty, it's, again, you know, I'll emphasize that part in a minute. But through your noses, you're able to identify scents. So if I put a rose in front of you, most people say, that's a good smell, right? But now if I just came from the gym, running five, six miles, sitting in the steam room and the sauna, and I come stand next to you, is that going to be the same smell, the same scent? <laughs> Probably going to be a little bit different, right? <laughs> so we receive information through our ability to smell. The sense of taste allows us to identify flavors, mainly through the usage of our tongues. All those tiny, we talked about the tongue like a while ago. All those little taste buds, you know. Those things you have on your tongue, it's important, right? 
you can identify if it's spicy or if it's mild, right? All those things through the ability to taste. And the sense of touch allows us to identify temperature, texture, and pressure when our skin comes in contact with something else. That is pretty amazing that we have these abilities, right? Now, all of the senses are vitally important as they are used to help gather information. Uh, Perhaps the most impactful of all is the sense of sight. Sight gives us the ability to identify images as things appear before our eyes. Large and small, near and far, wide and narrow, vibrant and dull. Visual presentation is a powerful tool that helps us define the world that exists around us. But while this is a great ability to maneuver through the physical aspect of life, it can prove to be a crippling stumbling block for us in our spiritual lives. In fact, the more we rely on our physical sight, the blinder we become spiritually. As I mentioned before, faith is the method by which we see spiritually. Ultimately, faith is the ability to spiritually see an expected outcome that has not been physically manifested. So faith is powerful. That's why the scripture says we walk by faith and that's what it's talking about. Not relying on the way things appear to our physical eyesight. That doesn't mean go out there and just close your eyes and don't look at all. Because I'm pretty sure if you walk out these doors, you're probably going to trip and fall on something. God gave you your eyes for a reason. Your eyes in and of itself, the ability to see is not evil. It's how you use them. Amen? So let's talk about the impairment of physical sight. My first point of reference is Eve and the forbidden fruit. So we always refer back to Eve and we talk about what transpired. Everybody knows the story, right? At some point in time, we understand that Eve was knowledgeable about what God expected. The instructions they were given. Why? Because during the dialogue between Eve and the serpent, the serpent asked her question. And she responds by saying, God said, we shall not eat, nor shall we touch it, lest we die. So this gives us the implication that somewhere along the line, whether it was from God himself or passed through Adam, she was aware that this was the word of God. Y'all with me? But notice what happens. As she's talking with the serpent, the serpent convinces her to look or dwell or focus on the fruit of that tree. 
I wonder if it would have been as easy for the serpent to convince Eve to take from that fruit if she wasn't looking at it in the first place. Sight is a powerful thing. The scripture tells us that Eve looked upon the fruit, saw how beautiful it was, and by virtue of looking at it, she began to do what? Desire after what she could gain from that fruit. Y'all with me? So just by virtue of seeing something can help encourage you toward making a decision that you probably did not intend on making in the first place. What about Samson and the Philistine woman? Here it is. God creates this, this man. He's supposed to be separated unto God, right? He's supposed to be anointed by God. You know, that was really what it was all about. God allowed Samson to exercise physical strength under the anointing of God's spirit. Notice what happened. Every time he went against the Philistines or the enemies, what happened? The Bible says the spirit came upon Samson, right? And he was able to do these things. So it wasn't so much in the hair. That was just a principle that he was supposed to follow in line with his commitment to God. Okay? But God gave him the strength to do these things. But here's the deal. He was supposed to be a judge, an advocate for the Israelites. But the same ones he was supposed to be fighting, he was making a union with. On two occasions, he marries one Philistine woman, right? She gets taken out. Then he gets attracted to another Philistine woman. But notice what happens as the story unfolds. We find that this woman was deceiving Samson the whole time. As a result, what happens? He loses his strength. But understand that before Samson lost his strength, He lost his relationship and connection with God because he was not positioning himself properly. He was not carrying out the work that God told him to do. Rest assured that before you see the result, understand that the choices that we make, the decisions that we make, if they are contrary to godliness, it's going to lead us toward destruction. When we see the result, that's only the manifestation of what's already been in the works. Does that make sense? So as we always talk about, you know, people backslide, you don't backslide overnight. You don't walk away from church overnight. It's a progressive thing. One thing after another, as the scripture says, line upon line, precept upon precept. It's a series of decisions. And as much as we don't want to accept it, bad decisions bring about bad results. That's why it's so important to accept responsibility for what we do. 
We can't go through life blaming other people. You know, even as a child, and I'm not making light of it, but let's face it. If I grew up in a home that was infested with drugs and my parents were using drugs, I've known too many children who have grown up in environments like that, and they decided once they became an adult, I'm not going to live that lifestyle. So you can make a different decision. God has given, remember we talked about, God has given us that ability to make choices. Satan himself can't force you to make a decision. Stop giving him the credit that he doesn't deserve. He didn't force Eve to eat from that tree. He only persuaded her to. The reason why we're in the mess that we're in today in this world is because of our own doing. We made the choices and decisions that we made, and that's why we're in the condition that we're in. That's the truth. It hurts, though, right? I'm not blessed like I said. I was just talking to my son this morning on the way to, on the way to church. I said, I'm, I'm blessed, and God has, you know, done things in my life, and I'm so glad for it. But I often think back that as a teenager, if I would have, if I'd have been sold out to God, Living for God, put him first in my life. I wonder how much more blessed I would be. And we always think about church, but in my academics, I wonder how much further I would have been in my schooling. How much more clarity would I have had if I would have put him first? What kind of doors would have opened up for me in my career? We don't like to think about it like that. We often like to go back and accuse God of holding back on us, but we don't accept responsibility for all the times we held back on God. Amen? Y'all all right with this? This is the truth. It's the truth that's going to do what? See, we got to know the truth. People want to be free, but they don't want to know the truth. Amen? While we own that, yes, it's make us free. The reason why he didn't say set you free, because you're not leaving away from truth. You're free in truth. Amen? The truth comes and rescues us. From being deceived and blind and makes us free. Okay, let's move on. David and Bathsheba. Here's another one. The Bible says that at a time when the kings were supposed to be at war. time when he's supposed to be out there, his troops are out fighting. David says, I'm going to take some lead time. How many folks are taking spiritual R&R? always stay prepared. Take that arm off if you want to. You are in 
inviting the enemy to come in and wreak havoc. We always got to stay alert. Jesus says, watch and pray. Got to be watching. Got to be observant. So here it is, David. He's staying back. He's in the kingdom. And the time comes and he decides to walk on the roof. For whatever reason. Maybe this is his evening practice. But as he's up there, he notices a woman bathing. Now get this, y'all. Just in that little piece of information right there, we understand that if I see, as the opposite sex, if I see someone bathing, because that was normal back in the day, they didn't have, like, bathrooms like we have now. They didn't even have outhouses. Probably was out of the house. So, right there, we understand that what David should have done is went back inside. But the Bible tells us that David looked long enough to see that she was. Now, I don't know if the dude had a telescope or whatever, but, you know. And I don't know how close the place was, but it was close enough for him to identify that she was beautiful. Now, now this, this is what trips me out. He identified she was beautiful, but he didn't know that she was Uriah's wife. A lot of speculation on that part. I'm not going to get into that. But he sends out to find out. He asks someone. So someone else was involved. We don't know who it was. And he says, inquire. Isn't that Uriah's wife? Here's another moment and an opportunity for David to But what did he do? Summon Uriah's wife. And I'm not even going to get into how Uriah's wife just came and I don't know if it was because she was like oh that's the king and you know I'm supposed to obey the king and you know I I don't want to you know lose my life and I don't want to be considered in rebellion to the king so I'm going to go lay with him because that's a dumb concept the Bible just lets us know that she came in and she laid with him that easy huh All right, let's not wonder. But then he finds out that she's pregnant by him. So what does he do? Again, here's this is just me how I look at it. But he sends to Joab. He writes to Joab. And he says, Please, I'm not going to get through all of this today. I see that. Please send for Uriah. Tell him to come back. (laughs) Uriah comes back, and the question he asks Uriah, get this now, 
How's the affairs of the war? How's Joab doing? Anybody catch that? I, I wrote to Joab to send Uriah so I could ask Uriah about Joab. Again, this is, I have to laugh sometimes when I look at this stuff. This is reality. This is real life. It's so, when you look at the scriptures, when I look at it, I find, you know what, there's a lot of interesting things you can get out of the scriptures. Practical things. You can laugh. Looking at the scripture, you can laugh and be like, what? He says, hey, Uriah. Man, look, you came all this way. Go ahead and go home and hang out with your wife, you know. I'm sure she misses you. So go ahead and spend some quality time with your wife. She needs you. If I'd have been you, I'd have been like, how you know? But Uriah, we find the scripture says Uriah stayed at the gate and slept where the servants slept. David found out. He calls him. He says, man, why he ain't go home? So he tries to get him drunk. I tell you, when God's hand is in something, God's hand is in it. This guy's drunk. But what does he do? He goes back to the same place he was, sleeping with the servants at the gate. Now, I can imagine at this time, David is bewildered. He's confused. He's got a whole myriad of emotions going on. And so what he does, he sends a letter by the hand of Uriah back to Joab that held Uriah's fate. That's got to be really cold-hearted. you sleep with this man's wife he's serving you he's fighting for the cause of glorifying God he's being faithful and loyal even to the point that he won't even go back to his own home to make sure he's not taken away from anything that's how loyal I am to what I'm doing I send him back with a letter in his hand, had he known, can you imagine? To say, put him in the front lines, and when it gets hot in the battle, the rest of y'all fall back so that he can die. In efforts to correct a wrong, rest assured. If you don't take the opportunity to get yourself right with God, you will find yourself continuing to make another wrong decision, even in efforts to make things right. God says, repent. He says, turn. Not try to implement me into your agenda. Don't try to fix it and then include me in your plan. I'm the one with the plan. 
And I'm telling you that if you want your life fixed, you need to turn toward me. Y'all all right? I was going to try to you know, go through this pretty fast, but I see that's not what God wants me to do. So. Lot's wife is another example of how the impairment of physical sight can hinder us. What were the instructions when they left? What part, Lot's wife, whatever your name is, what part of I'm destroying Sodom and Gomorrah did you not get? Better yet, what part of destroying Sodom and Gomorrah did you not want to accept? Unfortunately, they went through all of that. Down, surveyed, on. It was time for the destruction. But because of the prayers of the righteous, it didn't say Lot and his family was righteous. But by Abraham interceding, his whole city was destroyed. And Lot and his family would have been right along with him had it not been for Abraham. something I was talking to myself about. I said, when you are in a situation, sometimes it's easy for us to look at things from our perspective and just kind of write it off and say, you know what? Oh, they're just crazy. They just lost their mind. But why did God allow you to witness what you just witnessed? We would find that we'd be a, a whole lot more effective as Christians if we start looking at things from the right perspective. If I see something wrong, chances are God has prepositioned me there. If I witness something, I'm not looking now. I'm not talking about out to look for something that's wrong. But if I happen to see something that is wrong, chances are God has allowed me to be prepositioned there. Why? Because here's how it works to me. The answer is God. The problem is with us. But they don't know. That the answer is God. And they really don't realize how much of a problem they really have. But then God has prepositioned some folks who have understood that God is the answer and also understands where they used to be. So they can connect it to, and it just takes one person to stand in the gap and intercede to connect the two together. Through prayer. We talk a lot amongst one another, but how much do we talk to God about the situations that we face? As I'm talking to you, believe you me, as I sit and I study this stuff, it's like God is speaking to me in my own life. And I start to think about things, whether at work or whatever the case may be, and I start to say, wow, God, I want to I do better. You know, it's not a cliche when we say God has a purpose and a plan for you. Amen? But through Abraham's prayer, God's intent, or God, you know, he allowed Lot's uh, family to 
to escape out of Sodom and Gomorrah. They had one thing that they had to follow, one rule. Don't look. You keep going ahead. Go to where we told you to escape to, but don't look back. What happens, unfortunately, Lot's wife, whatever the reason may be, say it's because her heart was still in Sodom and Gomorrah. She might have just been curious because of the noise or the screaming. Who knows? The bottom line is she did the opposite of what she was instructed to do. As a result, she Wouldn't it be disheartening to so-called be saved in this world? Think you're escaping out of trouble when you get to the other side of your house. Check the block so I'm good. Just because I showed up doesn't mean I did God any favors. Just because I show up physically doesn't mean I brought my heart with me. Just because I showed up doesn't mean that I made up my mind. more than just showing up physically. We're quick to use that term about God looks at the heart. When we present ourselves before God. Yes, God looks at the heart. That's why nothing is changing in our lives because He sees where our heart really is. Everybody all right? Similar to the insect that I mentioned earlier, if we're not careful, we may too become captives of our earthly environment when we rely solely upon our ability to see through human eyes. We've got to transcend that. We've got to see things the way God sees. Otherwise, we'll continue just like that insect to keep hitting that barrier, to keep landing in the same spot, to keep making the same mistakes, to keep making the same bad decisions. That's not God's intent. That is not what he desires to see. I mean, it's kind of unproductive to keep making the same bad choices. You ever seen somebody say, man, I know I need to change. I know I need to change. I've got to do things differently. But then they keep doing the same thing. A smoker says, I know I need to quit. I know it's not bad. Uh, it's not good for me. But then they keep smoking. An alcoholic. Yeah, I got to change. You know, I know I got to stop drinking. But then they keep drinking. 
They keep making the same bad decisions. I know I need to go to church. I don't know how many times I heard that. Yeah, I know I need to go to church. You know, I always tell people when I'm witnessing, I'm not forcing anybody to go to church because if you come, I would rather you come because you want to be there. Don't just come because I said come to my church. You can leave and then still be in the same condition. That didn't solve anything. Glad to see you. But what changed for you? Sang a couple of songs. He was moved emotionally. But what changed in your life? But you got a lot of folks. Yeah, I know. I need to go to church. I know. I need to change my life. Sunday after Sunday, they don't show up. I can't count the number of people in the church. Sunday after Sunday, they don't make it. There's always a reason. You think the enemy not going to give you a reason? Let's see. Went to bed late last night. It was a long night. Didn't get a lot of sleep throughout the night, so I had to, you know. Let me tell you about how many nights I lost sleep. But thanks be to God, he gave me the strength to make it to the house of God one more time. Because some folks lose their sleep and they still go to work. Well, some folks with 100 degrees, 102 degrees fever and they still trying to get that extra pay. But what about our investment, our spiritual investment? Amen? I'm not talking about nobody. I'm just talking the truth. Amen? Okay, so we're talking about, we was talking about the senses, right? These senses have influence on how we think. The other sense, aside from the sight, is audible presentation. The sense of hearing can also impede on our spiritual perspective. We can receive bad information just as easily if we solely rely upon our ability to hear through human ears. One element of sound is most that is most influential is music. So CNN, I guess, did a uh, article. And they said in one study reviewed, researchers studied patients who were about to undergo surgery. Participants were randomly assigned to either listen to music or take anti-anxiety drugs. Scientists tracked patients' ratings of their own anxiety, as well as the, le- the levels of the stress hormone cortisol. Here were the results. The patients who listened to music had less anxiety and lower cortisol than people who took drugs. Levitin cautioned that this is the only, excuse me, this is only one study and more research needs to be done to confirm the results, but it points toward a powerful medicinal use for music. Isn't that something? They decided to incorporate music into their research, and music actually brought out better results than the medicine that they were giving people for anxiety.
music is a powerful thing. We know that because if you go everywhere on the top side of this earth, you will find that music has some part of the culture. It may differ in style. It may differ in the instruments, you know, the type of instruments they use and how they put it together. But at the end of the day, most people like music. Guess who was the best musician? Lucifer is what his name used to be before he lost his mind. Singing and playing instruments. Now, it's no mystery that when you look at the world, they say, well, the world has the best musicians. First and foremost, that is a lie. Because the best music comes from God, and the only reason why the enemy has what he has is because it originally came from. He just figured out how to manipulate what God gave him to use it for the wrong cause. Music is a beautiful thing. But if you're not careful, you can get the wrong message. I'm very particular, even when I'm playing <clears throat> certain songs, if I, you know, play in church or even playing in my house. Now, if you know how I used to be, I played all kinds of things. And music was a large part of my near destruction. I've told this testimony before, so I'm not going to tell it again other than saying music is a powerful influence. If you don't think so, look at our society today. I don't care what all the speculators say. When you listen to gang members, this is something that a guy named G. Craig Lewis brought out. He's got a whole series on the truth behind hip-hop and so on and so forth. And you know, he even started talking about heavy metal and all that other stuff that was out there. But he began to talk. He, I guess he had an interview or spoke with a uh, gang member who came in and who was touched by the message and his life was changed. And he said, you know, he said, we used to, he said, before we go out, before we know we're going to go shoot somebody, we would listen to a certain type of music and get high because in that condition we could take a life without feeling the guilt about taking it if you don't think music is powerful remember the old commercials the old commercials that would come on and if they was advertising peanut butter that's what you saw you just saw peanuts and peanut butter Now you can't get one commercial that don't have no music behind it. Much less some other stuff. We talked about this before, but why? I don't understand. I don't connect half-naked people with peanut butter.
that's what we have now. Look at the movies. I have never, look, I watched kids' movies. Remember kids' movies used to be like, you know, I mean, aside from Tom and Jerry because they never spoke much. It was mostly music, right? But it was the orchestra, right? So they run around, and that's what they did, right, for most of the, most of the scene. You can't get too many kids' movies now that don't have a couple of tracks in there from the latest hits. And while you your kids are sitting there singing, you know, and they're moving, they just feel like they want to move, you don't realize they're being influenced. What was that? Penguins of Madagascar, I think it was. They had the circus. And all the animals finally came together and they start doing this show. And they start playing that song. But a lot of people don't know that song was talking about some homosexual stuff. Music is powerful. Music is not bad in and of itself. It's the source behind it. Which brings me to my last point because I'm over my time. I apologize. But here's my last point. And we'll pick up next week. Be careful what you listen to. You can hear the right message from the wrong source. And you'll be just as twisted. Oh, we got to get in this thing next week. Jesus was in the wilderness. Guess who was talking to him? That old creep. He's trying to quote scriptures to Jesus. It is written. Oh, I wish we could get into more of this today. But I'm going to have to just leave it here. Be careful what you listen to. Amen. We're going to pick this up next week. God bless you. Let's take our break and come back for a dynamic service in Jesus' name.